This episode of Prem Brulee is sponsored by The Vintage Wave, an online boutique sports apparel store with throwbacks and unique one-of-a-kind vintage goods. From new Mitchell and Ness looks to classic Nike and Adidas looks, The Vintage Wave has everything a sports or fashion fan could need. Visit them online at thevintagewave.com. You're listening to a Holyfield podcast. Alright, welcome back everyone to another episode of the number one podcast in your headphones, Prem Brulee. Don't ever get it twisted, don't ever play yourself. And this episode, I am joined by one of my repeat co-hosts, Holyfield contributor Akshat Singhal. Welcome back, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, anytime, man. I'm glad to have you on here. After a few solo episodes, it'll be nice to get uh, some ideas bouncing off of here and me not just talking to myself. So, um as always, let's kick it off with the FM or nah. And it's becoming tradition in the NFL season for me to make a headline for uh, the week in football. So week seven of the NFL is called Changes Upon Us. And uh, I wanted to run through a few headlines. And I have a different idea for you. I'm going to give you a headline and you give me a rapid fire yeah, fam or nah to each. And then uh, I'll let you pick a couple to analyze. All right. All right. You ready for this? Let's do it. Okay, yeah, fam or not, time for a change in New York for the Giants. They are now 1-7 heading into a bye week. Is it time for a change? Interpret that however you want, but most likely we're interpreting it as benching Eli Manning for Kyle Laletta. Of course, we know Pat Shermer has since denied that, but I'm asking you, yeah, fam or not, time for a change for the Giants? Uh, I'm a yeah, fam to this. Um, I mean, we've seen this entire season that their offense with Eli at the helm is just, it's struggling. Uh, OBJ isn't happy. He wants the ball more. Uh, They tried getting him the ball more and it just results in Eli forcing the ball into situations where he shouldn't be. Um, I think it's time for, to give Laletta a chance, but the problem is their first game after their bye week is a Monday night game. Um, It's against the Niners. So not great competition, but still, Throwing a rookie into a Monday night game seems like throwing him into a fire, kind of. I'm I'm with you there. But other than that, I they've they've already traded Eli Apple. Um, I would love to see them do more. It's time to basically hit the reset button, ride on ride Saquon the rest of the year. But you know, going forward, it's they need to uh, get some high draft picks here. All right, a couple more headlines before I get another yeah, fam or not from you. Um, Worth noting in Week 7, the Rams remain undefeated, close victory over the Packers. Adam Vinatieri becomes NFL's all-time leading scorer, passing Morton Anderson. And uh, New Orleans gets, quote, revenge on Minnesota after last season's Minnesota miracle. Um, They pretty much handled the... Vikings Sunday night football um so they got I guess a level of revenge they're not even playing that game but uh they were talking some trash ready for the Rams uh the two running backs of the Saints so um and my last one I know this is a special place in your heart because you fired off a toasty take early in Prem Brulee and you're looking like Nostradamus here okay Jameis Winston threw four interceptions in their last game over the weekend he was then benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick who almost led the Buccaneers to an improbable comeback over your Bengals. Uh, It took a little last-minute drive and field goal to win it for that to be negated. But um, 
wanted to kind of I have a feeling I know which way you're going but anyway it's worth noting in 49 starts Jameis Winston has thrown an interception or fumbled not necessarily lost the fumble but at least dropped it 90 times 90 times almost twice a game he turns the ball over Um, and the only one worse in this time frame is Blake Bortles so I think I know your answer to this yeah fam or not time to move on time to maybe oh uh the other thing worth noting is the buccaneers already picked up Jameis winston's uh fifth year option but it that option of i think 13.9 million something like that is only guaranteed to him if he gets hurt so they could decide then to cut him for no financial baggage left so is that is it time for that to happen? I know you said it would happen, but is it time? I think it is. I mean, we've seen this year Ryan Fitzpatrick has played with the same O-line, the same receivers, um, and he has fared much better. He's he's also thrown his share of not-so-great interceptions, but, I mean, this game that Jameis just had yesterday was brutal. He had some nice throws, but every single time he made a nice throw, he made two bad throws. And it was just, I th- at some point... I bet you Deshaun Jackson doesn't request a trade if Fitzpatrick's throwing him all year. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's just, I think it's time to move on from Jameis. And there have been rumblings that someone might give up, you know, some like a high pick to bring him in. Someone like the Giants, maybe. But I don't know if the Giants can really afford that, um, considering the money that he would be getting next year. But... It's. I think it's time to move on from him. Um, yeah. It's funny, like the Bortles comparison. I just happened to look over their last four years and their stats, and they're very comparable stats: win-loss record, touchdowns to interception ratio. All of those are so comparable. And Bortles is a guy that everyone just kind of agrees he is what he is. But for whatever reason, everyone hangs on to Jameis as like, a, you know, he still could be great. Um, and I, I, I always wonder why that is when statistically there, he's shown nothing. He's shown no reason to believe that. But I'm with you there. I don't think Fitzpatrick's a long-term solution. But right now, if they're still committed and winning, which they claim they have since I think teams, uh, especially the Texans, have inquired about trying to get Deshaun Jackson since um, we're going to cover them a little later. But uh, since they lost one of their key deep threats this year. Uh, the Buccaneers seem keen on keeping them, so it definitely seems like they're, for better or for worse, trying to <laughs> make a playoff run, even though they're in the same division with the Saints and Panthers, who are doing really well. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Just be glad we're n- neither one of us are a fan <laughs> of them. We have our own dysfunctional groups to worry about. <laughs> okay, let's move on to college football. And we are approaching college football playoff ranking season as the first ones will be coming out and i wanted to get your take regardless of digesting the rankings which we'll have plenty of time to do but yeah fam or not college football playoff rankings this early are you investing a lot into this not so yeah fam or not you care about college football ranking rankings these first set this early in the season or midway through the season let's say um I care and I don't. So I, I'll i say yeah, fam, too. I do kind of care because I think it kind of gives some sort of insight into what the committee is weighing uh, at this point of the season. The problem is is that 
over the last few years, we've seen that as the season progresses, they have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Right. Like the different weights that they put on categories, um, or on the different, um, requirements, I guess, for their rankings, it changes. Uh, so like early in the season, you know, a, a good win matters more than a good loss or whatever. But then by the end of the year, you just end up seeing a good loss is more important. AKA Bama last year when their good loss was to Auburn, even though they had no good wins on their entire, on their entire slates. So yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, I, I do care. Um, but I know that as the rest of the season progresses, their own criteria is going to change. So it's whatever. Okay, I got a bonus one for you, real quick. Give me a yeah, fam or not. You yeah, fam or not. Another chaos week happening. Uh, you and I are both Buckeye fans. We had a bye week, so we were kind of taking it easy. But while we were taking it easy, eleven ranked teams lost this past weekend. Are you a yeah, fam or not of that? Uh, I'm always a yeah, fam to chaos. Amen. I love I love chaos, especially if it means. Um, a one-loss Ohio State team can somehow find its way in, which I, I say one-loss on right, right now. Yeah, I say so. it right now, but, man, it's a tough slate of games coming up. Yeah, we got um, a tough stretch coming up here. We better pack it in. Yeah, keep, a- <laughs> keep keep those ASSs clenched, Buckeye Nation. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be rough down the stretch. Okay, so for my answer, I'm a yeah fam. I am following this for the same reasons you did. We get an idea of what they're thinking, and a lot of times we know who's going to be the top four in the rankings, but it tells us a lot when they dish out the five, six, seven, eight. So we know kind of what you need to do to get leapfrog based on how they prioritize the one loss team. So I like it in that sense, but you're right. They just talk out of their ass and then change their minds later. So uh, I guess we'll see. Um, it's worth noting. I always have to give a personal example. In 2014, the first year of the college football playoff, the opening rankings, though, featured Ohio State as the number 16 team before they ended up winning it all and sneaking in as number four. So those people that are out, part of fanhoods that won't be near the top, there is, in a small sample size, already examples of of outliers in every pretty much every sense you can imagine. They've included a couple non-conference champions, a couple teams that started outside the top ten. So there's hope as long as you're you haven't already been shit on, probably like the Pac-12. <laughs> okay, let's move on uh, to we're being pretty eclectic with these yeah fams yeah fam or nas this week. Uh, usually it's football heavy, but I want to give a little intro to this, and um, it has to do with Rick Pitino. So. I'm going to give the background first and then give you the headline. Rick Pitino said, quote, I just want to be part of an organization. I want to develop young players. I want to be part of a team. I miss it terribly. I'm using this time to really study the NBA. If something opens up with a young basketball team, I'd have deep interest in it. I think the league is going to get younger and player development will become even more important to every organization. That's my forte. I believe I can help an organization find a pathway to success. So, we all know what's been going on. The former Louisville head coach, Rick Pitino, was fired after FBI probe, investigated their program, a whole bevy of problems, paying recruits, having illegal prostitutes on recruiting visits, the whole nine yards, and he claimed he had no knowledge of any of it, but of course he's the leader of their program. 
Um, his last job in the NBA was president and coach of the Boston Celtics. He finished with a 102 and 146 record and resigned early in his fourth season there. Um, he was reported to be overwhelmed with his dual ro- roles um, <laughs> under what had been, at that time, Pro Sports' biggest coaching slash executive deal to date. He, at the time, signed a 10-year, $70 million contract and resigned at the time with nearly $30 million left on the deal. Must be nice to turn that down. <laughs> um, so before I give you the Yaf yeah, and the Yaf yeah, so you can think about it for a second, is Rick Patino will be an NBA coach again. So I wanted to present the other side of it because it's easy to say he's got the history and probably the coaching acumen being a champion before. But a lot of people feel him as a veteran Hall of Fame coach will not mesh well with the new school mentality of most teams, the analytics of most teams. Um, to that, I think he realized probably that in that same interview with ESPN said, quote, I'm not looking for any of that, speaking of the power and control, at this stage of, it, of my life. I want to develop teams and develop players and build a winner. I value an- analytics. I want to fit into an organization at this stage. That's all I'm interested in, which, I mean, I can smell that from here. I value analytics, <laughs> and, and I'm George Washington. Okay, yeah, fam or not, with all that background information, Rick Pitino will be an NBA coach again. Oh, man, this is a heavy one. I, I'm i going to have to go with nah. Um, I'm going nah, all right. Uh, at least I don't think he'll be a head coach. Um, if that's the question, I guess he, I could see him fitting in as an assistant somewhere, but I think it's just, he's been out of the NBA for so long. Um, and so much has changed in these 20, when was this 2001 when he was last with Boston? Yeah. in like 17 years, the NBA has changed drastically. And we've seen coaches who have been in the league during that time, uh, like Tom, um, Tom Thibodeau, who just can't adjust to how the league is changing. And I can't imagine he would be any better at it. Um, He says he values analytics. Does he? I mean, that's on on the face of it, I guess. Maybe he's saying that to kind of, you know, make himself an attractive option. But when it actually comes time to it, I I think a lot of these Hall of Fame, or a lot of these, like, older coaches they're kind of set in their ways and i it's just the league has changed so much i i can't see it i hear you i'm i actually think i'm i'm going with the yeah fam um i think he does end up coaching i don't think hit and those that suggest his college history has anything to do with him getting a job in the nba i think are incorrect i think it is more likely the part with him being old basically an old head and it being a new school way of thinking. Um, but I think he can adapt. I mean, he's just a year removed. He's coaching younger players. Um, so I think he can make it in the NBA and all it takes is one team taking a chance on a big name and a splash like that. Um, I can't say he'll be good or bad, but I do know. Um, I don't know, but I think he is going to be an NBA coach. I'm a yet yeah, fan with this. All right. And I wanted to round it out with a little bit of baseball because, as we know, the baseball season is now complete. The Red Sox defeated the Dodgers 5-1, to one, uh, winning the series in five games. Um, their team had the best record in the regular season and finished their season, including the playoff record, 119-57. and 
It is Boston's fourth title in 15 years since they broke the curse of the Bambino. And uh, worth a disgusting note, (laughs) worth noting, is that a 16-year-old Boston fan who was born in January 2002 has now been alive for 11 titles. Five by the Patriots, four by the Red Sox, and one each by the Bruins and Celtics. That is disgusting. Um, And then the other thing I wanted to cover, they've already released the way-too-early favorites for next year. Um, And they were the two teams that made the ALCS, uh, one of which was robbed, but more on that later. Um, (laughs) The favorites for next year are the the last two champions, uh, the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros. So... Um, yeah, fam or not, to baseball being complete. The season is now over, so uh, I guess this says a lot about whether you're a baseball fan or not. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big baseball fan, but I enjoyed this season. Um, so I, I guess I'm a. I've watched more baseball this year than I probably ever have. Um, so I guess I'm a nod to it being over. I actually did kind of enjoy watching the playoffs, and it was mainly because I'm at a point where. Like I, I mean, NFL. I I hardly care about the Bengals, even though they're winning. So they're just on. Same with uh, basketball. The Cavs suck. So now it's just kind of you know I'll just throw baseball on. Um, and it's at a time of the se- time of the year when, especially during the summer, when there's nothing else to watch. So yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed the season this year. So. I'm actually looking forward to watching more next year. I'm a yeah fam to it being over. Fuck that World Series in <laughs> summary. Fuck the Sox. Fuck the MLB. Fuck the Dodgers. All of it. I'm over it. I'm glad it's over. On to the next season. Go Strohs. All right. Let's move on to like you know, like and hate it. And finally, I don't get to jump right into my thoughts. So I'll let you lead off, Akshat. You know how we do it? positivity to negativity the one time you'll hear me say it we focus on the negatives here in sports in the sports world so go for it man uh i'll do my one likey and that's uh cleveland seems to be cleaning house and that's both in basketball and football so over the last like 26 hours right yeah exactly like ty Lue, hugh jackson and todd haley all were fired um it seems like cleveland is always kind of in this turnover of coaching whether it's basketball or football, but I think both of these were ready for new leadership. Both of these teams were ready for new leadership because they're both kind of just looking at lame duck coaches. Ty Lue, I mean, he's, I think, the third winningest coach in Cavs history, but let's be honest, that's because of LeBron. And that's a kind of a tainted mark when the winningest coach by win percentage is um, David Blatt. So... How much does that really matter? And all the winningest coaches were in the LeBron era. Lagan, <laughs> you, you bite your tongue, sir. Yeah, I'm sorry, Lagan. You would not say his name in in vain around here. No, nothing, nothing in vain. It's just you know it kind of makes these coaches look better than they really are. Amen to now, that. Now, now that LeBron or sorry, Lagan is gone, we're seeing a lot of this. Ty Lue is just not really ready to. Re- lead a team in terms of X's and O's because now he's down to not having to rely on the greatest player ever. Um, so I'm going to get to my likey, but I wanted to bounce off of yours. One of my no likeys uh, kind of stems off of yours. And my no likey is that anyone is to anyone that suggests Tyron Lue won't be a coach again in the NBA. Um, you have to be ridiculously idiotic to think he won't be 
coach in the NBA. Because the fact of the matter is, yes, it was all Lagarde and the team surrounding him and him making them better. I mean, there were flat-out still images of Tyron Lue not even being in the huddle while LeBron was <laughs> rallying the troops. But it says a lot when players offer support of a coach. That means he is a, a, co- a player's coach. And the simple fact that Lou led the Cavs to three straight NBA finals, including... Of course, the 2016 NBA championship, which coincidentally is the last championship to be recognized by anyone that ever matters. So that's worth <laughs> noting, guys. Um, and Tyron Lu has a head coaching record of 128 and 83, which is damn good. So he will be a head coach again, mark my words. And anyone that tells you otherwise is sorely mistaken because they'll forget, they won't forget who he coached, but. They sure won't forget his accolades, and you can't take those away from him no matter how easy of a job he had. Um, so anyway, I'll go back to my likey. I already had an episode last week where I had no positivity, so I have to make sure I cover some and get <laughs> back to normal. Um, likey to the New Orleans Buckeye. I mean, New Orleans Saints, who we mentioned it earlier, but they acquired Eli Apple from the Giants uh, last week, and their, their team now features Buckeyes who actually all played together at the same time. Um, most of which are in their secondary, but uh, Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, safety Von Bell, and now Apple all were at Ohio State at the same time and all starters on the Saints squad. Uh, Not to mention, the Saints have another starter in the secondary that went to Ohio State is older Kurt Coleman and uh, Ted Gooden, who's injured this year, but is also on their roster. They even had JT Barrett on their practice squad briefly, so a shout-out to the saints for uh repping the scarlet and gray they know what's up yeah i know you you're not into the whole second favorite team but if i had a second favorite team it's definitely new orleans just because of this Uh, that would be the closest and what's kind of fun to note is that three of the buckeyes they have on their team are former first rounders and two of them are second rounders so and you would up. never guess – that would be such a big trivia question that Michael Thomas was not a first-round pick as we move forward in his career. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Insane. Let's start getting to the negativity. Let's get into that wheelhouse. So my no-likey kind of strays from the normal sports. Uh, so in the soccer world, we had El Clasico, which is the Barcelona and Real Madrid. <laughs> Greatest sport on earth. Um so Except that the United States guys don't get it twisted. I'm just kidding. We're trying to be cultured over here, soccer fans. So they had their matchup this past weekend, um, and normally it's a great matchup because normally we get to see Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar, and there's always big names involved in that. This year we had none of them because Ronaldo's now at Juventus, Neymar is at PSG, and Messi was out with an injury. So now we're sitting here, and I mean Barcelona just absolutely shellacked. Real Madrid. It was 5-1. Yeah, totes. (laughs) I mean, it was was funny to watch because, I mean, Real Madrid without Ronaldo is just an absolute mess this year, and they just fired their manager. Um, But it it sucks watching a match between two powerhouses or two traditional powerhouses, and there's just no real big names playing. I mean, it's like watching, I don't know, like – It'd be like watching Lakers. It'd be like watching Lakers Warriors with LeBron, that snake, Steph Curry not yeah, playing. Like, yeah, like if you're if you're a star player in that in that game was like Draymond. Is it really any fun to watch? Because that's basically what this fucking was. Fucking Draymond. 
yeah. I mean, hey, who's who's the Draymond of soccer? Give me a name. Uh, Luis Suarez. Oh yeah, he's the dude that like bites people and shit, right? Yeah, and coincidentally, he actually had a hat trick in this match yesterday. So does he kick people in the nuts also? Uh, he does not. He's just he just bites people. All right. All right, that's I learned something new here. Okay, <laughs> um, my other no lucky since I covered the Tyron Lue one a little out of order is uh, Todd Gurley not caring about the spread or our <laughs> fantasy teams. So he basically proved he's not actually perfect. Um, I wanted to channel my inner Kelly Kapoor, which is probably not good for stereotypes, the one Indian character on the office, but whatever one. Number one, how dare you, Todd? Um, Gurley had a chance at another touchdown late in the game against the Packers. We all know Ty Montgomery fumbled a kickoff return that he probably should have kneeled in the end zone anyway. But um, Todd Gurley chose, I guess wisely, to go down and run out the clock as he was heading into what would have been a touchdown. So I wanted to outline how bad of a beat it was for those that are inclined to wager their money. I know you're a degenerate yourself, Akshat, so you I should sure be able to relate. Um, hopefully you didn't bet on this one. But Did not. At, at close to this game, the spread finished at a – Minus seven and a half. So that touchdown, so the final score was 29-27. Yes, that touchdown would have been made the difference in the <laughs> in that spread. It would have put the Rams up nine. The over-under, to tell you how good Vegas was, was 57 and a half, which you guessed it, that touchdown would have put made it the over. Oh man. And for you that just just Partake in fantasy football. If you had Todd Gurley, I hope you didn't lose by just under six points because that touchdown would have netted him to an already big total, but it would have netted him 6.4 more fantasy points with that touchdown. So, no lucky to that. Todd, how could you be so, so selfish and not care about our fantasy teams or us winning money off of you? How dare you? Um, It was quite the difference from George Kittle, the tight end for the 49ers, actually does care about our fantasy teams, which is refreshing to hear, you know, someone caring for us. So uh, no likey to that. But how many people actually have George Kittle on their teams? I don't know. I think he's played himself into a pretty routine starter now. He's like the one pro of the 49ers. I don't know if he would have done as well with Jimmy G, but uh, CJ Beathard likes getting the ball to good old trusty white tight end, you know, their version of a Jason Witten. <laughs> Fun fact, I have a friend who starts C.J. Beathard in fantasy. Why? I don't know, but I, he does. Iowa fan, maybe? I know. Oh, yeah, he is actually an Iowa fan, so maybe that's, that's why it. I nailed it. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess I'll uh, go with my hate it. It's kind of a weird hate it, but I'm a Bengals fan, and the Bengals are over 500, and I hate it. And I shouldn't. What? Because it's, I mean, hey, the Bengals, most people had them – I think the over-under on their win total was six wins, and they're already at five, which, you know, should be a good thing, and I should be happy about that. But I can't help but think that all this is doing is setting up for another Marvin Lewis extension, and there's nothing good about that at all. Your boy, Marvy. <sighs> all right, so my hate it. You knew it was coming. Hey, I just want to give a huge shout-out and congratulations to – uh, Joe West and the MLB Red Sox for winning the World Series. Um, I really, really hope Joe West enjoys his new Chevy for winning MVP. 
of the series um, since he's the reason the Red Sox were in the World Series. So um, I didn't notice him in the celebration, but I'm hoping to get a, a <laughs> snag a team picture with Joe West front and center because he sure deserves it. Maybe you could park the car and he's on top of the car. You know, maybe he can be elevated above everyone since he acts that way anyway. So um, I just want to give a huge congrats to the MLB Red Sox since uh, they got what they wanted. The Red Sox winning it all, and Joe West got what he wanted by fucking the Astros. So hated to you, sir, the new Gene Sterator. Oh, damn. Okay, let's move on to Lottie Frickin' Da, our best of the worst, the impressively unimpressive and uh those players that pick up garbage time statistics a la blake bortles of the past so i'll let you cover the first one um has to do with the nfl there go for it man uh so we had two quarterbacks here throwing garbage time touchdowns to make you know their fantasy stats their team look better than they really were but you got eli throwing a touchdown with 17 seconds left to evan ingram which, if you have Evan Ingram in fantasy, good for you. If you have Eli, I'm sorry. Um, if you're starting Eli Manning, we have bigger problems. I yeah. Think. Uh, Baker doing the same thing. Who's his touchdown throw to? Um, it was one of their tight ends. It was like a backup tight end. It wasn't Njoku. Yeah, not even though. Njoku. Njoku yeah. is just a, it was an worthless. afterthought over there now. It was but, a strike, though, but that's about yeah. it. Good for you. But, I mean, all of these are just – I mean – Good for it, the fantasy it owners. Up, it didn't end up saving his coaches or his offensive coordinator's job. That's for damn sure. Yikes. Um, and, hey, the Giants only lost by seven. So if you had them, I'm sure the spread in that was probably bigger than seven. So maybe they cover the spread there. Uh, but other than that, yeah, congrats to you guys on those worthless touchdowns. Lottie frickin' data, those two. Okay, I wanted to give a special Lottie frickin' data Louisville football, who are not only sucking this year, but uh, they got shit on by Wake Forest running back Matt Colburn, who ran for a career-high 243 yards, yards on just 20 carries and added three touchdowns. Um, it gave Wake Forest their first conference victory of the season uh, in a 56-35 victory over Louisville. Why do you ask that I put them on here? Well... Louisville famously pulled a scholarship offer from Colburn uh, roughly 48 hours before signing day in 2015. Um, Colburn, being the bigger man, let the revenge narrative go, but it is not gone. I love to see (laughs) that he shit on this team that screwed him. I hate that part of college football, how they blame it on numbers. They over-offer players and then have to pull offers last minute. These kids are making such a big decision in their life, deciding where they're moving for four years potentially, maybe five, and then a team can, a school can just pull an offer like that. So I love that Matt Colburn shit all over that team. And I don't care if he's in, if he wasn't looking for revenge because everyone else loved the narrative. So Lottie freaking out of Louisville, you get what you deserve, and they're sitting comfortably in last place. Uh, might have a coach of their own in the hot seat. So uh, Lottie freaking out of you guys. Okay, let's move on to should they be worried, our version of a panic, don't panic. Um, And I got a couple NFL ones, and there's a college one sandwiched in between those. But the first one I wanted to ask you about, Akshat, is the Houston Texans. They got a big victory Thursday night, and if you had Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins like your boy did, you got off to a great start in fantasy. Um, But 
After a big game, they lost their deep threat, Will Fuller, for the season uh, to a torn ACL. Um, they are currently leading the AFC South. Should they trade for a deep threat replacement? Um, they worked out for or recently cut uh, former Cowboys receiver Bryce Butler, who's pretty speedy. From experience, he does a lot of good things, nothing really great. but uh, And then they've been tied, like I mentioned earlier, to maybe trying to get Deshaun Jackson. So should they be worried, the Texans? Um, <clears throat> I don't really think they should be worried because I just think the rest of that division is hot garbage. Um, so I think their defense is good enough, and Watson, even without Will Fuller, I think is playing at a high enough level where he can carry that team. But if they do want to go out and trade for someone like Deshaun Jackson, I don't think that would be a bad thing in any way. But I think they can still make it through this season without Fuller. Yeah, so... um. I want to be safe for my, you know, family members and all that stuff. So I, I know that they are personally worried. So I'm going to speak for them and say, yes, they should be worried because Will Fuller is a huge part of their offense, especially this year. It seems like Deshaun Watson has a really good rapport with Fuller. They connect on some big, big gains and he stretches their defense. I know DeAndre Hopkins can do plenty on his own, but uh, Fuller's a tremendous threat for them and kind of forces uh, teams to likely have both of their safeties devoted to coverage. Uh, they can't even bring someone else in the box. That's why I think you're seeing, you've been seeing a lot of big games from Lamar Miller lately. So um, I am worried if I were them, but uh, I think that can all change if they make the right move, trying to get a deep threat. Um, and who knows what will happen with Deshaun Jackson, but maybe they can find someone else elsewhere. I don't know who that is, but um, can I- can I interest I don't them think... in a John Ross? Wow, you're already giving up on the guy, huh? Dude has like four catches in two seasons. It's rough. Okay. Yeah. Should they be worried? The Big 12 Conference. Um, did their college football playoff chances die with Texas's loss to Oklahoma State this past weekend? Um, based on rankings, Oklahoma now kind of reemerges as the favorite out of the Big 12. Uh, they had kind of taken a step back after they lost in the Red River rivalry. Um, but now they're back up in the rankings, led by Kyler Murray. Um, should they be worried, the Big 12? Yes. Um, just like always, the Big 12 is kind of – they're a tough conference to, um, to judge just because I think – Every team is essentially the same. A lot of offense, no defense. And Oklahoma is no different. Even though Oklahoma's been to the playoffs twice. I don't know. But they've been to the playoffs a couple of times. Um, and they're, they're definitely, even though Texas was the highest ranked team in the Big 12 up until this past uh, week, I think Oklahoma is still that team that people were most worried about. Or if you were to bet on a Big 12 team to make the playoffs it was going to be Oklahoma either way though I think they should be worried because Oklahoma still has West Virginia left at West Virginia but either way I mean that's that's gonna be a tough game for yep they're at yeah at West Virginia November 23rd final game yeah I mean it's gonna come down to that game and they absolutely cannot lose anything before that which they shouldn't given the schedule but they're they're teetering on the brink of being eliminated entirely. Yeah, I'm worried if I'm the Big 12 also. Um, you're definitely right. One more loss, and they're definitely done. Obviously, that's that'd be two losses, but Oklahoma's going to have to impress and 
Um, if they get a chance, I think they're really going to be striving for some style points here uh, because they need all the help they can get and they need to look dominant as well. A lot of people think they have the offense that might be able to give those top teams the biggest fit. So be behind who's become such a popular NFL coaching candidate, Lincoln Riley. All right. Um, we talked about it a little, mentioned it a little, um, but I wanted to definitely devote one of these to the Browns firing of Hugh Jackson and their offensive coordinator, Todd Haley. Um, so now that the Browns fired, this is kind of a should they be worried for all other ones. I kind of mix it with a take your pick. But um, now that the Browns fired Hugh Jackson, which NFL coach is most on the hot seat? Who should be the most worried to connect it all into this category? Um, a couple candidates worth noting, the Tampa Bay Bucks, Dirk Cutter, who is pretty much hired to help excel Jameis Winston. And now we're seeing huh. Jameis benched. Uh, you have the New York Jets, Todd Bowles, who seems to be, he's been on the hot seat since he got hired, it seems like. And then, uh, the Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott. And then I added this one for personal touch, the Cowboys, Jason Garrett. Uh, who's your pick? Is it one of those guys or someone else that I'm not thinking of? I know you hope it's Marvin Lewis, but always hope um, it's Marvin Lewis. So who you got mixed with a, should they be worried? I know all of them should be a little worried, but who should be the most worried? Uh, I'll stay on this list. Uh, I think it would be Dirk Cutter, just for that reason that you said. And he was brought in as kind of that quarterback guru for Jameis, and it's just not gone the way as planned. And if it does end with them parting ways with Jameis after this year, or even during this year, I think that's kind of the nail in the coffin for him. I mean, because the one reason he was brought in, if that player is no longer even on the roster, what's he here for? Um, so yeah, I think it's dirt cutter. Although I, I do kind of, uh, the Jason Garrett one is an interesting pick cause he's a guy who also has probably been on the hot seat since he was hired. He's been on the hot seat in terms of us talking about it, but I, I genuinely don't think that Jerry Jones considers him on the hot seat. He's got his little puppet that, uh, he can control his little marionette. Um, so I don't think he's on the hot seat as much as I'd love him to be. Sir claps a lot. I could do without that. <laughs> um, but I agree with you. I'm going with Dirk Cutter. You you outlined it perfect. If you were hired to make Jameis Winston better, you failed at that. And uh, I don't know if that's a result of Jameis not being the man, but regardless, you've seen coaches go with hires that would make their quarterback better. You know, Speaking of Sean McVay in L.A., I know he's the best of examples, but still, you've seen it work. So this is probably the opposite example of that. Whether he deserves all the blame or not is beyond me. But I think uh, most in the hot seat is Dirk Cutter, and he should genuinely be worried, especially if this season doesn't pan out while they're still committed to trying, not not trading away pieces like Deshaun Jackson that have some value, even though Deshaun's a little older. Um, so, yes, should be worried dirt cutter most worried okay now on to who you got and what you feeling and i wanted to recap my solo episode of picks here um critique as you wish Akshat, or don't because i <laughs> had a pretty good week here um i picked the eagles and jaguars game which was in london i think i mistakenly said it was at home for the jaguars but they're pretty much a part-time london team anyway um they were both coming off disappointing starts following successful seasons last year. 
I picked the Eagles because they lost some close games and they seem to still be working out some kinks and the Jags being a mess on all around. It used to be they weren't a mess on defense, but um, now their defense is just as much a mess as their offense. Ended up being right. Uh, the Eagles took down the Jags in the early game in London. Um, my college game of the week was uh, the largest outdoor cocktail party. Of course, that's Florida versus Georgia. The game was in Jacksonville. Um, probably the reason the Jags had to go play in London. Uh, Georgia was favored, and I picked Georgia, and I thought that they would. Um, I don't. I can't remember if I said win handedly, but they sure did win handedly. I think they won like thirty six to seventeen. And it does set up um, – I acknowledge that Kentucky had a really tough game uh, last week because uh, this coming week sets up basically a showdown for the SEC East in Georgia playing Kentucky. Um, I, I believe the battle is in Lexington. So it set up exactly what I outlined. If Kentucky could have escaped Mizzou, and they sure did that, they it took them a last-second untimed down scoring a <laughs> touchdown at the end to beat Missouri. Um, but they are sitting at t- atop of the SEC East along with Georgia, and they sure do have a chance as any to be the ultimate upset in the SEC. Um, so next week sets up a big matchup for Georgia versus Kentucky. Shout out to Kentucky for that game-winning touchdown to win me some money. Oh, there we go. Degenerate, Degenerate man. I am. Okay. And uh, the other one that wrapped up was I picked the World Series. My pick was the Red Sox over the Dodgers in six games. They wrapped it up in five games, and theoretically probably it could have even been a, sweat, a sweep of that one. So um, we all know the result of that, whatever. ML, the MLB Red Sox and Joe West won it all, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Fuck off. Okay. On to this week, and we have some primetime matchups in both college and pro football, so these are some good ones. The Rams, the undefeated Rams, 8-0, travel to New Orleans to face the 6-1 and Saints this coming week. They are the top two teams in the NFC. Uh, the Rams, of course, we went over there coming off a narrow victory versus Green Bay. Uh, the Saints picked up a huge victory in Minnesota. So uh, who you got in this one, Akshat, Rams or Saints? Uh, I'm going to go with the Saints. I think uh, the offense, I, let's be honest, the Saint, the Rams spent a lot of their offseason making their defense better, but it hasn't been. Um, their defense has been a mess. I, I, I think in the meantime, they lost you know a big, big uh, piece in their middle, Alec Ogletree, who they traded yeah. to the Giants, and is having a pretty good season, even though the Giants suck. And they just signed some big personalities in the defensive backfield that aren't necessarily meshing. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Peters has been a mess. Um, he made a name off of getting picks in uh, Kansas City, and he's not doing that now. He's a gambler, but that gambling means he gives up a ton of big plays. Uh, who um, are you to critique him, you degenerate? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think the Saints offense is good enough to put points up on that Rams defense. Uh, my only concern, I guess, would be is New Orleans' defense has been very hit or miss, um, and it's been mostly miss. And They rely on a lot of turnovers. They do, and the Rams' offense, as we've seen, is very, very good. So this has all the makings for a shootout, uh, but I think I trust Drew Brees to carry the Saints. And our boy, Michael T. Yes, sir. 
Okay, so um, I thought I was going to be different, and I thought you were going to pick the Rams for sure, but I'm going with the Saints also. Um, I think, weird enough, the Packers gave the Saints uh, kind of a defensive recipe to at least slow down their offense. Um, and then they have the advantage of seeing what kind of adjustments the Rams then made at halftime, which was basically splitting out Todd Gurley and turning him into a receiver, which he's fantastic at. Um, so I think they have the pieces in the secondary and um, hopefully the speed to be able to at least try to contain it. Um, so I like that combined with the home atmosphere in New Orleans and um, – a really balanced attack themselves in New Orleans. So uh, I'm going with the Saints. Could see it going any other – could see it going with the Rams. But um, I think this is probably their toughest test here. The Rams are due for a loss, so. <laughs> okay. Um, and we all know the main matchup in college football. Uh, top five teams squaring off. Uh, number one, Alabama, who, of course, is undefeated. will be playing our boy, Joe Burrow. Joey Heisman. And- and the LSU Tigers. Um, so I wanted to get your pick for this, but before that, uh, wanted you guys to. I want to kind of set the scene for you, other fans that aren't SEC fans. If you are a bubble college football team, it's painful to say, but you want Alabama to stay undefeated. You do not want what happened last year to happen again. If they lose once, they are probably still getting into the college football playoff. So. You don't want them to get in the college football playoff and steal a spot your team could be taking because they don't get into the college football or the SEC championship. They're still taking a spot, and probably the SEC champion's taking a spot. So I just want to put that on everybody's radar who thinks it's fun to root for them to lose. You might not want that right now. Um, And then the other thing worth noting, which is crazy to think about, this game is in Baton Rouge, and LSU's opening as a two-touchdown underdog at home. No respect for our boy, Joey. Um, but anyway, take it away. Alabama, LSU, who's winning this game, man? Just wanted to add to that two touchdown underdog things. This is the biggest home dog for LSU since 97, which That's is nuts. crazy. Um, unfortunately, I still got to go with Bama. Um, it's just I mean, Bama's defense hasn't really been tested yet this year but I don't think LSU's offense is the one that's going to test them either. As much as I love Joey Heisman, it's been mostly him playing game manager while the defense does the rest. Um, and then Bama's offense is arguably the best in the country, which is bizarre to say because that's never been the case, but they're that good. And uh, LSU's defense is good too, but I don't think LSU's offense is going to stay on the field long enough to give the defense rest. So, I think it's going to be Bama. I don't know if they'll cover. If I, and I, the degenerate I am, I am probably going to bet on this game. And I'm probably going to. What gonna, are you going with? We need, we need some inside knowledge here. I think. Bet in with Oxshot. Go for it. I think I'm going with LSU to cover, but I, it won't be a comfortable, like. It'll be I, a nail biter. Like, yeah, they might. I yeah, think it'll be I one of those you. where they'll win by, like, 12 or something that's sure. just, like right on that brink of covering but yeah okay i'm go i'm also going with alabama um i think that it's we talked about it before uh i've talked about it before on prem boulet it is crazy to think it, we used to fear alabama's defense only which the defense is kind of untested but the offense looks mighty good under tua 
and I think they finally have the offensive firepower to play in different ways. If their defense isn't picking up the slack, I think they could win in a shootout. Um, and I don't think LSU's offense can match that level. I know you you said the same thing, but I love Joey Burrow, but they have such a run-heavy offense. If they get down any little bit and they have to start forcing passes, I just don't think um, it's going to work out great for them. Hopefully they can control the clock and keep two off the field uh, with their big running game, and they have kind of an old-school smash-mouth team where they try to run the ball, and uh, it's a little bit of a balanced attack. So um, I would love to see Joe Burrow win, but it's better for us, you know, in our fanhood for Alabama to win. And um, I think they will take care of business. So I'm going with Alabama here. And that brings us to what you're feeling, man. Uh, so take it away. What are you feeling this this week? Um, so Hassan Minaj came out with his new Netflix show. And it's yeah, I gotta check that out, man. Came out yesterday. It's called Patriot Act. Uh, so he's doing, I think, two episodes a week. So I watched those last night. Um, obviously, by the name, you can tell it's a pretty political show, and it's uh, more of a talk show than it is a stand-up comedy show. But it's in the form of a stand-up. It's just him standing on a stage talking to the audience. Um, it's really good. I enjoy the first two. I'm looking forward to the next few. Uh, Daredevil season three. So I finished that last week and I loved season one. And I think I like this even more, which is saying something. Um, and then the last one, uh, red dead redemption two just came Ah, out. Fuck out of here with that. And it's so good. It's so, it's by far the best looking game I've ever played. And that's all I'll say. Whatever. That's just because they haven't put me on a video game yet. All right. <laughs> um, what I'm feeling this week is uh, our me and the Mrs. Movie Journey continues. Uh, it is approaching Oscar season, as I outlined last episode, with um, my positive, very positive review of A Star is Born. Uh, this week we saw uh, The Hate You Give, which is a very poignant and powerful movie worth the watch, and especially in the times we live in. Um, and to piggyback off of uh, good seasons of shows, this past season of Better Call Saul was fantastic. So those – I've come across a lot of people that said they watched the first season and kind of fizzled out a little bit. Um, I would say to go back to it, it is a fantastic show. And this was a show I was concerned about watching initially, but I love – I've loved every season of the four so far. And uh, season four is very entertaining and um, it's very exciting to see – Plots come together that a uh, whole bunch of Breaking Bad uh, fans come to know. You're starting to see the origins of some of the things connecting to that plot. So um, definitely feeling those two things. And uh, that brings me to the wrap-up, which is my too much sense. My advice you didn't think you need, and that's way more than two, mu- two cents worth. So my chance to educate the people this week is uh, brief. And it's more of a lesson, and it's to do things for others without condition. If there's a condition to a favor or a task that you're doing for someone, they must not mean that much to you. Um, my lesson is to strive to have people in your life that you enjoy helping helping out and not ones you feel obligated to help out. So uh, that's my too much sense. Do things out of love um, and uh, genuine care instead of what you'll get in return. Well said. And that's what I got for you. Yeah, man. So I want to thank you for joining me on uh, – Prime Brulee, the number one podcast in your headphones. And um, 
that wraps up another edition. So um, as always, please listen, share, subscribe, pass this podcast on to a friend, someone who hasn't heard it before. And check out the other wonderful Holyfield podcasts and content that is a full go these days. And uh, we appreciate every bit of it. So we'll see you next time on the number one podcast in your headphones.